bitches like <laughs> just get it out of the way first okay it's, I think it's good that I'm doing this in the first episode with you because you do this sort of stuff yeah so this is my of, jam yes hello and welcome to Head Trauma this is a true crime podcast because what the world really needs is another true crime podcast um, I'll mention a disclaimer the purpose of this podcast is not to promote or celebrate crimes and not to offend anyone it's simply to inform and horrify my family and friends um, the podcast name derives from the three symptoms or signs that are generally associated with being a serial killer it's cruelty to animals, bedwetting and head trauma and with me today is my friend Meg hello <laughs> I thought Meg would be a good person to do this with because she she works in the sort of broadcasting industry so to speak I won't say exactly what you do because I don't know if you want people to know really. <laughs> I never ever get to make stuff that's this cool though so this is exciting <laughs> what was that face <laughs> Crawl out my arse for <laughs> Sorry, I've just re-emerged out of Nikki's arse. <laughs> and um, I thought this would be a fun way to explore true crime, because I'm a bit of a true crime virgin. Yes, this kind of derived from most of my most of my friends not really knowing a lot about true crime. I'm like the kind of... I don't even know how to describe myself. I'm a very like, hardcore fan, so to speak. The one we'd all expect to be a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and I wanted to kind of educate and horrify people that I knew. And Meg was one of the first people available. And I've oh, so was my first choice. Well, my I'm gonna have another episode with my boyfriend Luke, but the episode that I want to do for him is very specific I haven't got it ready yet because it's such a detailed one to do but it'll make sense when I actually do it so I've chosen something a little bit a little bit softer for Meg in some ways I guess it's a good like introduction okay so Meg are you ready I think I'm ready (laughs) okay I'm gonna be telling you today about Anthony Hardy otherwise known as the Camden Ripper lovely can't wait (laughs) Um, you may vaguely recognise the name because we spoke about this earlier. Um, the uh, artist Plan B wrote a song about the Camden Ripper called Suzanne. It's not really commonly known because it was kind of quite a bit before the days of She Said. Um, but if, if anyone has actually heard it, you'll know that it's a pretty horrifying song. Um, there's not really any form of attachment to it. The only, way, the only reason I found it is because there's like lyric videos on... YouTube there isn't anything actually official to say that he's kind of done it really it's just on YouTube and to be fair I don't blame him for kind of not really wanting any association with it really <laughs> that's what I always do to my voice <laughs> I don't know if that's racist or not <laughs> let's crack on <laughs> Okay, so Anthony John Hardy was born 31st of May 1951 in Burton-on-Trent, which is not too far from here. No, it's not. (laughs) It's also quite close to my birthday. His childhood was fairly uneventful, apparently. He did pretty well at school and college and went on to actually get a degree in engineering from Imperial College London. He even became the manager of a large company as well. He got married, had four children, um, got divorced in 1986... Um, when his wife accused him of domestic violence. There was one incident that happened in 1982 
which of like domestic violence which resulted in him being checked into a psychiatric clinic in Queensland Australia because they were living in Tasmania at the time that's kind of like about it in terms of his family life after his divorce he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and was in and out of mental hospitals um, he gained convictions for theft and being drunk and disorderly and in 1998 he was arrested for attempted rape after a sex worker accused him but the charges were dropped because of lack of evidence of course mm. it's always lack of evidence um, but despite no charges being brought to him he was ordered to seek psychiatric counselling um, from the court which he did in January 2002 police were called to a block of flats where Anthony lived one of his neighbours suspected him of vandalising um, their, I think it's their front door. Is he but, alive still? Um, I think so. I don't. He, he, well, it was. We didn't really have the death. We don't have the death sentence or anything. So I don't. I don't think he's dead. Police investigated by searching his flat, and they found a locked room which contained the naked body of Sally White, who was a sex worker living in London. Oh yeah, I should probably. I, I didn't mention that he had like at this point he had that like, he was living in London. Um, was the naked body alive or dead? It was dead. Oh, even hence, even hence, grimmer. Hence body. <laughs> Otherwise it would just be like a naked person. Yeah, you're right. She had um, cuts and bruises on her head and despite this, the pathologist at the time, a man called Freddie Patel, concluded that she had died of a heart attack. Um, but his work came under scrutiny as he became part of another case in 2009. He ended up being suspended from the government's register of pathologists and his name was erased from the register in 2012 meaning that he can't practice medicine in the UK anymore. Anthony pleaded guilty to criminal damage and maintained that he had no idea how Sally could be in his flat. He blamed his lack of memory on alcoholism and he was sectioned under the Mental Health Act and transferred to a psychiatric hospital where he stayed until November 2002. Right. I just can't understand. I reckon I'd know if there was a dead naked body in my flat. Would yeah, you know? Yeah, you'd, you'd think. I mean... I don't know, I'm only guessing here, but especially if you'd locked the door after it. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't see a situation where I'd forget, really. Oops, forgot about that, <laughs> forgot about that dead body in the spare it's, room. I mean, it's not really the same as, like, leaving a cup of tea out and forgetting about it. <laughs> it's not, you're right. We shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> like, but there's, there, I've heard much worse jokes made about, like, the <laughs> Okay, um, about a month... This is where it gets interesting. Okay. Not that it's... Not Warming that it's, up. Not that it's not already, but... Okay, sorry, I should change this. This is where it gets horrifying. Um, about a month later, a homeless man was looking through some bins and found some bin bags containing human remains. And not, like, human remains as in bags of shit. As in, like, human body parts. So oh. the remains of a human being. Dead, dead human body parts. Yes! <laughs> Yes, her arm was dead. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, containing human remains, um, primarily severed sections of two legs. Mm. When police arrived at the scene, they, fa- they found approximately eight more bags and the torso of a woman was found in a wheelie bin about 100 yards from the first bag. Oh gosh, the bin men weren't doing a very good job, were they? <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Hardy was suspected, do- he was suspected of causing um, for these body parts to be found due to previous activity and when the police obtained a warrant and searched his apartment they found a hacksaw with human skin still attached to the blade oh i wish you could see meg's face right now that's not pleasant (laughs) a jigsaw power tool pornographic magazines a black stiletto on his windowsill and blood in the bathroom what kind of porn 
Do you know? From what I've read about him, he had kind of like violent fantasies and stuff. So it was probably... I, I would imagine it was fairly hardcore. Right. The bodies were that of two women, Bridget McLennan and Elizabeth Vallad. I hope I'm saying those right. It was later determined via post-mortem that Elizabeth had been strangled. Her torso was found in Anthony's flat wrapped in bin liners. He seems to have a thing for wrapping body parts in bin liners. Oh. And... Uh, the legs that were initially the, the legs were, that were initially found in the bin by the homeless person were identified to be Elizabeth's as well. Can you imagine if you were homeless and you thought, you know what, I haven't eaten for days. What I'm going to do is I'm going to root through these bins, and then you found a fucking dead torso. I literally, I can't even imagine something. I I, I can't even begin to imagine that. Like, and the thing is that they wouldn't even like. They'd be traumatised from that. And yeah. they wouldn't even really be, like, eligible for any help, which breaks my heart. And it's all well and good as sat here talking about these past events and stuff, but can you imagine if you were the person that found that? Like, that guy had done nothing yeah. wrong. He just stumbled upon body parts in bin liners yeah. in a waste bin. Wanted some food. Bless him. Yeah, um, Elizabeth had no head or hands, and this kind of, like this part horrified me but also but in the way that like interests me she had no head or hands and was identified through serial numbers found on her breast implants oh gosh that oh can you imagine being that realistically if they had to go through her breast implants to identify her the injuries must have been substantial and sustained. Well, like, Wikipedia, like, obviously just said she was, she was identified through DNA, but then after I did a bit of searching, they said specifically she was identified through the serial numbers on her breast implants, which I guess is kind of the same. It's very similar in terms of yeah. that, because they are still using something within her body to identify her. I didn't even know breast implants had serial numbers. I, I didn't, but then this was, like, the 90s, so I don't know if they still do. Bridget was identified through DNA and, like Elizabeth, had no head or hands. Her torso and other body parts were also found in local bins. By this point, Anthony had gone on the run, um, but he was arrested a week later when he was spotted at Great Ormond Street Hospital by an off-duty police officer. Apparently he was diabetic and I think he was picking up an insulin um, prescription. And when the police officer tried to arrest him, um, they got into a fight. And there, were, uh, there was no, there was other police that were trying to help him. One police officer was knocked unconscious, and another was stabbed through the hand. And all I could think of was hot fuzz in the introduction when Peter Jackson is dressed as Santa and stabs him in the hand. <laughs> and he had his eye socket dislocated, which I didn't even know you could do. No. What would you have? What kind of injury is a dislocated eye socket? I guess it's. Well, that's the thing like, I don't know if it means like the bone has been like damaged or if like the actual bit where the socket goes into has been re- been moved I don't I, I don't know that's something I'm gonna have to do a no, whole podcast yeah about we're gonna have own. to research that aren't we <laughs> yes yeah none of this is really surprising because Anthony Hardy was a, a pretty big bloke he was arrested at the, sea, at the scene and when searching his flat the police found evidence indicating that Bridget and Elizabeth had been killed and dismembered over the Christmas holidays which how sad yeah that's like one i think one of the saddest things about this when he was arrested wow christmas break though <laughs> fucking hell I most think, people have a turkey he had um dis- I, see, I was gonna <laughs> you, you asked that as a joke and i was like gonna say i just realized my first initial reaction was oh maybe he just didn't want to be alone oh <laughs> you psychopath <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Jeffrey Dahmer was like that. Apparently, he kept like his he kept like bodies in his fridge and stuff because he just didn't want to be alone. Yeah, but I think there's much better ways to go about making sure you're not alone over oh, yeah, Christmas than keeping torsos in your living room. Yeah, yeah but. Oh, I hope this doesn't damage my career. Bloody (laughs) hell. When he was arrested, Anthony said no comment to all of the questions asked by the police. He was charged with the murders of all three women. He pleaded guilty to three counts of murder and and was sentenced to life imprisonment on November 2003. When he was sentenced, Justice Keith, who was the judge who sentenced him, said... um, only you know for sure how your victims met their deaths but the unspeakable indignities to which you subjected the bodies of your last two victims in order to satisfy your depraved and perverted needs are in no doubt and in 2010 a high court judge said that anthony hardy should never be released from prison and justice keith again said this is one of those exceptionally rare cases in which life should mean life which pissed me off because no not exceptionally rare Life should always mean life. Life yeah. imprisonment, as far as I know, is 25 years. It's um, not, it's 14, hun. Four, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> like, minimum term for murder is 14 years. But then I again... 25 it, might be American. Yeah, 25 is, yeah. sounds about right. Jesus Christ. But then you get off with, like, realistically, you could... You could kill somebody and then only really serve, what, like, seven, eight, nine years? Yeah. Which is insane. That's yeah. life. Yeah. It's the life of a seven-year-old child. Yeah, and oh, ooh. surely, like, if you've killed someone, surely you should serve a minimum sentence. If it's like proven that you intended for it, if it wasn't like manslaughter or anything, mm-hmm. surely it would be more logical to sentence them for like their age or something potentially yeah i agree if it's it like a 30 year old man get 30 years in prison but then i think with children you should probably double their age because yeah. then it's like the life they could have lived potentially yeah and i think especially if you've i think i don't know i don't want to start speculating on the british judge system yeah but if you have murdered somebody that is young you've taken away the whole of their life if you killed them when they were 25 yeah. they probably had another 50 years in them yeah. so why should you not have to serve 50 years yeah that's true as well yeah there was, there was an article by BBC News which said that all three victims were crack addicts and were financing the habit through prostitution and it annoyed me but then I was also like this was 2003 so like 15 years ago and I, and I guess political correctness wasn't really as much of a thing as it is today like slut shaming and victim shaming is more of a thing now than it yeah. was back then so i was like reading this like oh guys no don't write that but then it was 15 years ago so i think regardless of regardless of their career regardless of their hobbies they were still viciously murdered at the end of the day yeah and you're right to if ordinarily if this if they were still living and they'd been a victim of rape they would have lifelong anonymity because mm. they're dead they don't have it so yeah but then it's it's more i guess it's the sort of thing of making people aware like i get it's i guess it's different with victims of murder because anonymity isn't really as much of an issue because one because they're not here and two because they want people to know what happened to them otherwise it's just the people it's just their family that know and if other people know then they can come forward and be like oh this happened to me the families could possibly like all come together and kind of grieve um 
simultaneously. Yes, that was the word. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Let's crack on with this creepy guy anyway. <laughs> Um, the police apparently believe that Anthony is, poss- is possibly connected to the unsolved cases of two other sex workers that were found dismembered and dumped in the Thames. Apparently there were five or six other, murder- other murders in-, in general that were similar, but there wasn't enough evidence available to directly implicate Anthony. In December 2000, the body of a woman was seen floating in the Thames, which was severed at the waist. Um, medical examiners speculated that she had been in the water for a couple of weeks and had likely been cut by a sharp instrument, potentially a sword, which I felt like was very specific. Mm. The woman was called Zoe Louise Parker, who was a sex worker in the Felton, Felton, and and Hounslow area. I, I feel like just say Hounslow. Yeah, yeah well, that's the thing. She was in those two areas, but then. <laughs> This is just like my favourite murder because they, they're American and they go to different parts of America and they have and in their live shows they're like, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right and everyone in the crowd is just shouting it back at them and they just still can't understand. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the police had no leads and no suspects which led to the case running cold, like as we now know. February 2001, this is quite sad. Three Why did you laugh when you said <laughs> this is quite sad? Just like, oh. I was like, because I can't believe I'm reading this. <laughs> Three ten-year-old boys were fishing in Regent's Canal and fished out a bag which contained human body parts. After police searched the canal, six bags were found altogether which contained body parts in bin bags. This body would later be identified as Paula Fields, who was from Liverpool. In separate bags? Yeah. He really had a thing for bin bags, didn't he? Yeah, but then this this wasn't proved to even be him, so... But then, I'd, similarities, so... Yeah, likelihood. Yeah. The entirety of her body was never found, and authorities speculated that the rest of her body was still in the canal or being kept as a trophy, which isn't surprising because he kept other parts as a trophy. Um, she was last seen on December 13th, and authorities think a hacksaw might have been used to dismember her. Oh, gosh. But yeah. Um, but, I, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, this, this section um, is mainly about the mental health system because one of the main reasons that this happened was because he had quite severe mental health problems. And I'm not saying this happened purely because of his mental health problems. I'm not stigmatising mental health in any way and saying, oh, crazy people are circulars because the majority of the time that's not the case. I mean, we both have had our history of mental <laughs> health problems and we're not murderers. But I've never killed anyone, so I'm doing all right. <laughs> After Sally White, who was the first victim, uh, after she was discovered in his flat, Anthony was also arrested for apparently pouring acid into a neighbour's letterbox. Um, He was detained in the mental ward at St Luke's Hospital to undergo a psychological evaluation. Anthony was found to be a risk to the community, and particularly to women. Dr Alan Stewart-Reed stated that his behaviours behaviours are characterised by impulsiveness, lack of forethought about the consequences of his actions, seriously irresponsible behaviour, inability to learn from experience and lack of concern for the feelings of others. The doctor said that if Anthony were released back into society that he was likely to re-offend. Anthony was released after a panel of three mental health managers decided that he was of little threat to society despite many warnings from healthcare professionals. According to an article in, in The Independent, the panel didn't read the report put forward by psychiatrics uh, warning about Anthony's behaviour. Um, after his arrest for the murders, a public inquiry was held to try and figure out why Anthony was released despite being an obvious threat to society. And this kind of reminds me of Andrea Yates, which I don't know if you've heard about. This is something that I want to cover at some point. I've already started writing up about it. She was a mother 
who had, I'll briefly describe it now, but she was a mother who was, she had postpartum psychosis and she drowned her five children in the bathtub. Right. And um, despite the fact that Anthony did some horrible things, they weren't necessarily his fault because he obviously wasn't well. And like I said before, I know there's millions of people with mental health problems that don't murder people, but it's mainly the fact there was lots of opportunities for mental health services to help him. I and just can't... And said they just kind of gave him some counselling and sent him off on his way. I just can't understand how somebody... I understand that the lack of... There's a severe lack of funding across all mental health services at yeah. the moment, but I just cannot get my head around how somebody can be released into the wild with such severe... Into men- the wild. Into the safari. <laughs> into the wild, okay, the public. Um, I just don't understand how that can happen. Mm. Like, to me, if you're a trained professional and you can tell some somebody's at risk of doing themselves or others harm, yeah. why would you let them walk back out? I understand it's lack of funding, obviously. Yeah, but then it's, like, multiple professionals at this point have said... He's not safe. He's going to reoffend. He's he's a threat to society. Mm. And then these health managers, just because they're managers, they've been kind of trusted to make this decision about whether he should be he should be released or not. And they've kind of just obviously we can't say this for sure because we went there. But from what I've read, they've they've released him, and it's they in so in in a sense they've basically ignored all the warnings from their colleagues. And I work in I work I work for a counselling charity and it's it's not a case of that like for something in terms of like these sort of situations there's a big like process that comes along with it it's not just a case of no the managers say it's fine to do it like you do a lot of research into this sort of thing it can't it especially well nowadays i guess it's not a case of someone's okay let them out it's it has to be really really evaluated like when people are sectioned it's ridiculously hard for them to get out again because they really have to prove for a significant amount of time that they are well enough to be like into the wild <laughs> into the wild <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and it's just the fact that they kind of gave him some counselling because it was court appointed and then kind of sent him off on his way and there was no I didn't include this in the actual what I've written because there wasn't really a lot to back it up but apparently he did get visitors from um, social workers but they uh, refused to meet him at his apartment because they found him intimidating and creepy and they would just meet up, meet up with him in cafes or just put off the visits in general, mm. which I can't blame them for. But then if they're having tr- if they if, if multiple social workers are feeling uncomfortable about seeing him... Should that not set alarm bells off? Exactly. Red flag. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm on to the bit where I wanted to talk about the song, Suzanne because this is kind of like how I found out about the Camden Ripper in the first place because I kind of assumed that it was fictional because I hadn't ever really heard of it before and then I looked it up and then all these links came up about Anthony Hardy and it was based on a real person and as far as I know Plan B I think might have been the first person to kind of dub him as the Camden Ripper because there's nothing really else online that kind of caused him that I mean he, he, he does come up when 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 if you search the Camden Ripper his name will come up but I think Plan B made that initial association with the names really and i can i can either play you the song or i could do well you have you have like three options really you can i can do a dramatic reading we can have google read it out read out the lyrics or we can just listen to the song and i'll cut out like the the weird sound effects and stuff because there are there's basically some a weird anyone who's not heard the song there's a weird audio bit in the middle where 
there's like the sounds of a woman screaming and chainsaw sound effects and it kind of gives you the gist of what's going on so i would honestly love you to wrap it for me <laughs> but i am not wrapping it i'll do a dramatic <laughs> reading i'll do a dramatic reading and nothing else no i'd quite like you to get google to read it out oh yes okay I'll i think that'd be fun and as you say this has been so tempting while well, having a little oh <laughs> yeah she's fucking around with uh bubble wrap because <laughs> we are in a room filled with bubble wrap and because i'm a child also, while we're on this break, why does Luke own Crazy Frog Racer on PlayStation? Because he has every game on the... F- like, he has almost every game in existence. It's just who he is. I just can't believe he's got the Crazy Frog game. What a weirdo. She's around here somewhere, somewhere here. She's hidden somewhere in a canal by Camden Town. Underneath a bridge, that's where he said he put her bits and bobs straight after what he did. Every time I pass the lock, I stop and wonder where she is. That's the first verse. I, tra- I tried to... That's I horrifying. I don't know why it keeps kind of like joining them up, because it's in paragraphs and stuff. You see, Suzanne was quite a looker, quite tasty for a high street hooker. She had a nice shape, nice ass, nice breasts. I guess that's why he took her. But then again, you know what blood... This guy was kind of messed, so Suzanne's death was probably more to do with torture than it was to do with sex. I wish people could see your face. I look scared. (laughs) This is horrifying, Nikki. What have you brought me into? This is like an actual song, and I don't really know anyone. Why why am I speaking like the Google Translate? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Welcome to my podcast. (laughs) I don't really know anyone else who's kind of... I I don't even know how I came about the song. I think it was when... Because you're a psychopath, (laughs) Nikki. (laughs) I think it was when um, She Said came out. And obviously everyone loved that song, like me included. And I wanted to know what other stuff he'd done. And this was before the days of Spotify and Apple Music and whatever. Like, it was just a case of YouTube and songs. And I think I just typed in Plan B. And I kind of, like, was clicking on links and links and links until I came up with that one. And how horrifying yeah the days of just youtube searching for songs they're recording them on your phone the internet is such a dark place and it's only got Mm. darker nevertheless he was a sick sick hunt there ain't no doubt about that his mental health was in a state but no one really knew about that cause he lived alone all on his own and never spoke to neighbors plus the guys next door was never home cause they was always out raving i love how like she kind of when it got to the word cunt, she kind of like hesitated, she kind of like, he was a citizen. <laughs> she just kind of like carried on with it. I, I just want, this verse is particularly bad, so I kind of want to see your face when this is being said. Which made it pretty convenient. Come to when he dished out pain, he weren't lenient. Still no one could hear he screaming when her blood starting squirting on the ceiling and dried to the wall till the paint started peeling of she's cut real bad but still breathing of begging him to stop but he won't cause he's eviling he ain't about to start reasoning i liked the rhyming of um <laughs> in, ev- in in <laughs> eviling and reasoning i think it was supposed to be he's he won't because he's evil and but, uh. but he's evil and but it's, i think it sounded like eviling i mean that was horrific I'm not done. This isn't done. This isn't, isn't anywhere near done. It's just so graphic. Yeah. I mean, this... I mean, come, and do not, come and I just put she said on. Ding, ding, <laughs> ding, ding. 
I'll need it as a pick-me-up after. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, what kind of use that as, like, the closing music? <laughs> it's ten o'clock on a Friday night. Suzanne don't know it, but soon she'll die. She's working the streets like she does every night, pulling in punters left and right. She sees one guy. He says, hi, do you want to fuck? Only if the price it right. Suzanne says with a smile on her face. Screen goes blank. Now they're back at his place. Back at his place, Suzanne takes off her clothes while he makes her a drink in the kitchen. That's what she's thinking when she hears metal objects clinking. Need any help? She says loud and clear. He don't answer her back. He's only in the next room. Not like her can't hear. Why is he going on like that? Suzanne picks up a towel to cover her breasts and on and goes and sees Wagwin. He's holding a knife and his eyes look brock. Sue makes a run for the door but it's locked. Slice, 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 chop, chop, chop. Suzanne screaming, begging him to stop. But he won't stop and he don't stop, not till she stops struggling. She's lying on the floor in a pool of her blood. He goes into the other room to get something. And then this is Was like, it another murder weapon? Well, this is the bit in the song where it kind of cuts to the audio of like a woman crying and then it kind of you kind of hear her crying and kind of whinging and then you hear like a sudden chainsaw noise and then she starts screaming and you just hear the sounds of like chainsaw of a chainsaw chopping into something nice but yeah and then there's the last verse which is just him summing up the story i cannot wait there is like i should mention there is a line that is kind of slut shaming as well so we come to end of the story suzanne died a death all gory along with a string of other girls he already killed cause they offered to pleasure him morally now banged up not a threat now a figure last you'll hear of the camden ripper unless of course he escapes then you better give a second thought about walking round showing off your figure as for suzanne like i said man her body parts still never been found remember next time you're walking round camden lock to keep an eye out cause you might see a bit of her floating by crouched on the bridge smoking weed getting high cause he said she's there and he need not lie now h-e-s going to live in jail for the rest of his life h-e-s that was supposed to be he's <laughs> Hey, but I just realised, like, remember next time you're walking around Camden Lock to keep an eye out because you might see a bit of her floating by, crouched on the bridge, smoking weed, getting high. I know that he means that, like, if you're crouched on the bridge, smoking weed, getting high, but I'm just imagining, like, her leg with a, with a spliff. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he said it. I can just imagine, like, you know in Toy Story how there's, like, the pair of legs on a fishing rod? Yeah. Like, and, the, and it's just like that. The legs are kind of the whole body. I can imagine, like, something like that just hold, like somehow holding a splay. <laughs> I mean, the song... The song actually really surprises me mm. because it is so graphic. Yeah. And it's fucking disgusting, man. <laughs> what have you brought me here to do? <laughs> You are Fred. I know. Like I said, the world doesn't really need another true crime podcast. There's plenty of others out there. There's plenty of other people that are doing this better. But then I just, I just love it. I just need an excuse to write about it and talk <laughs> about it and horrify people. And if <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> I don't know what that was. I don't know if it was a hiccup or a burp. I think it might have been a bit of both. <laughs> a hiccup. <laughs> If everything goes to plan and if I manage to get to get my kind of like my current project done, then I think um, the next 
episode will potentially be Ted Bundy, mm. which I begin with Luke because the he doesn't really know a lot about true crime and I'm only doing Ted Bundy with him because Ted Bundy is like one of the only serial killers that Luke knows the name of and whenever I reference any kind of serial killer he's like oh yeah Ted Bundy like it's just a name that he knows so he just keeps reciting it so I'm gonna tell I'm gonna just show him how horrifying Ted Bundy really really was I think I think if anything it might stop him saying his name all the time (laughs) Because <laughs> he's scared of it. Yeah, but then he got so excited recently because um, we Ted Bundy had a really old, like, tan, yellow-coloured uh, old VW Beetle. Mm-hmm. And, nice car. Yeah, and Luke was like, oh, I love them. I've always wanted one. I was like, Ted Bundy had one in, like, a weird tan, tan brown, yellow colour. And he was like, oh, yes, let's get one. <laughs> <laughs> Psychopath. Like, yes, Jesus Christ. There was a silver one parked at my house as well this morning. I was like, they're coming for you, Nicky. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> okay, so I, th- I think that's... Have you covered it all? I think so, yeah. Shall we have a little debrief? Yes, definitely. So... So yeah, what... Meg, what do you think? I... I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for this. Um, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? You never... You never know what's going on behind closed doors, and you never know what people are thinking. Behind locked doors. Behind locked doors in your flat where you accidentally put your dead body. But it's just, it is scary, and the world is a scary place, and especially now that that we've got, like, DNA tests, like, you can easily tell who's murdered somebody. But back in the day of this, what when was this? Like, this... Yeah, this was the early 2000s. So still, there wouldn't have been the te- technological advances. No. Like, they had DNA enough to be able to test that it was her, but even then, like... I just want to know what was going through his head when he was, like, severing these bodies at the waist with a fucking hacksaw. Yeah. Like, what? As far as... From what I've read, it's the whole thing of, like, apparently he enjoyed, like, hardcore porn and had, like, very violent um, fantasies. But then... To me, that also sounds like they're bla- It sounds like when they blame school shootings on video games. Yeah. Like it's. It sounds like a bit of a cop out. But then, that might that might be true. But then I think it is also a lot to do with his mental health issues. I think that paired with his me- mental health issues probably, it was an amalgamation of the two. And from the sounds of it, it didn't really sound like he was being properly medicated or anything. Like he could have been. And he wasn't getting the help that he needed. He was discharged time and time, time yeah. again. Yeah. He was sectioned and he was hospitalised and they should have kept a better eye on him than, he, than they did but then at the same time what's been done has been done and he's he's away now and it's a shame that he has to kind of be in prison and people have had to die have had to have died because of it but but yeah it's kind of if anything it's kind of taught us a bit more about this sort of stuff but then at the same time Lily Allen Stalker nothing was done about him until he broke into her house and wanted to put a knife through her face yeah. so even though she repeatedly reported it for years, so... I don't know. I think this the climate the world's in at the moment is particularly scary, and especially when things are being reported time and time again, like, this guy would have been reported or yeah. sectioned however many times it took. But I think... I don't know where I was going with that point. <laughs> My bad, sorry. Well, like, I have massive respect for the NHS and for mental oh, health God, services yeah. and... I'm one of the few people that probably have had a positive experience with mental health services, but there are just people that slip through the cracks sometimes, or like like they said, like the social workers didn't want to see him because they thought he was creepy, and 
Who can blame them? Yeah, but in, in the, it's like, well, if no one else wants to see him, then maybe someone higher up should go and see him. Maybe, like, they should have got the police more involved. Like, there's well, a lot there of, should be a provision in place. Yeah, but there's a lot of, like, they should have done this, they should have done that. But then I'm sure they're aware of that now, and things are a lot different, but then we can't say for sure because we don't know how it all works. So, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I just can't... I don't know. I think I'm a pretty, like... I think I'm a pretty dark, like, my sense of humour is quite dark, I'm quite a dark person, but never once has it crossed my mind to cut somebody up into little bits and put them in a bin bag. Yeah. I just can't get my head round. I guess it was, one of the things I can think of is, I think because he, he was probably, when he was, uh, as far as I know, he had sex with him. If he did, then it was probably like, it's probably kind of living out his wild and fantasies and everything, but then he probably kind of freaked out a little bit and thought that, he probably didn't want them to tell other people the kind of stuff that he'd done and thought the only the only way to get rid of them is to kill them. And then, obviously, when you don't want something, what do you do? Put it in the bin. Yeah. He probably kind of made that attachment in his head. You do that with your leftover, I don't know, your leftover curry, your leftover chilli. You don't do it with a fucking human torso, well, that's do you? The thing. He probably, that's probably how he thought of them. Oh, God. I, mean, I think the world's just so messed up. <laughs> brought it to the forefront Nikki <laughs> I was going along my life quite happily in an ignorant bliss <laughs> and now you've introduced me to the world of murderers so would you come again no yeah of course I would it's been interesting learning um, I'm glad I'll, I'll see that's the sort of thing where like I have to ask you as this was kind of horrifying for me this is kind of gentle like, really? Yeah, this is like because I think because of like the way in which he murdered them and the amount of victims, it's fairly neutral for me. One thing that I do want to cover at some point is like school shootings and massacres and stuff because those I find weirdly fascinating. And but then I think I'm also not the only person that does. I think that's kind no. of like fairly usual for people to have an interest in because everyone's like it's such a tragedy. Like how could this have happened? Everyone wants to know how this could have happened. But we all know how it can happen. Yeah. Psychopath. <laughs> it me. <laughs> but um but yeah, I, I guess my my kind of question is what kind of serial killer would you prefer me to talk about with you? Um none. I was going to say any. <laughs> Please not no. I think it's been really interesting. Mm. And um I don't know, you never I guess I live I'm not interested in true crime in the slightest and I guess I live quite a sheltered life and you've just opened that all up to me thanks no problem is what I'm here for as your other mother my other mother <laughs> I just realised my foot's been touching your bum this whole time is there anything else you need to add? Um, I'd, probably just that this has been the Head Trauma podcast and I will be uploading some new episodes at some point I don't know when I'm not planning on having an upload schedule for this because it, that is not something I can stick to. I will just do them as and when I want to and as and when people are available. And if there are like loads and loads and loads of episodes with Luke, then that's just because I don't have a lot of friends. But I think we've gathered from this the reason why. Because <laughs> you're creepy as fuck. Can we plug ourselves? Yeah, yeah, of course. So you can follow me on Twitter at Meg Turner Cooper. You can by this point you'll be able to follow the Head Trauma Podcast. It should be at Head Trauma Pod. Um, I'll be listing the email address on there at some point. It's still early development, so by the time this comes out, it should be ready and everything. But 
whatever I upload this to, there should be links in the description for me and Meg and the podcast. So thank you for listening yes. to our weird little crazy conversations. Okay, and speak soon. Adios, hasta luego. <laughs>